the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style from a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms to the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wastelands. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, the Bible. Tune in at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. Hello, everyone. Hope you and your family are enjoying a wonderful season. We continue our reading this week through the Bible. We don't take a day off at all through the year. We do give you the weekend off, so you can go to your church and you hear the scriptures there and are fed spiritually there in your congregation. Monday through Friday, though, here we are to make our way through the entire Bible every year. It is such an important journey that we're making because there is a whole different worldview and perspective of God and our experience as human beings that comes to you as you internalize the vision and the teachings of this book, the Bible. Most Americans at large have very little understanding of the Scriptures at all. There are many of our great Bible teachers and spiritual leaders that are decrying this biblical illiteracy, it is called, this ignorance of the Scriptures. It is very serious because so very many of the ills that we face as a nation, and I'm not just talking about the moral ills of abortion, pornography, and the decadence of the society in the moral sense, the injustices and dishonesty that is so rampant across the nation. I'm not just talking about that, but even the political state, the rights that are being taken from us as people, the creeping socialism that is coming over the nation. Socialism is a sin. Socialism is built on a foundation of evil. It's built ultimately on thievery, stealing from people, legalized stealing by the state. 
It would never have happened in other times of our nation, but we've fallen into this because of our lack of understanding of a biblical worldview. We're here to help solve that with the Bible Live. Now, we'll go through the book of Matthew tonight, picking up in chapter 10. But right now, let's turn to our Wisdom and Worship segment. It's in the Psalms, A Prayer When Overwhelmed and Desperate, Psalm 142. I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before Him and tell Him all my troubles. For I am overwhelmed, and you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O Lord. I say you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, for you treat me kindly. End of reading, Psalm 142. Oh, you better get right just as fast as you can. Wash your sin in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ is coming again. He's making a list in his book of life. He's going to see who has eternal life. Jesus Christ is coming. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. When you are sinning, he knows when you're uptight. He knows when you're in darkness. So let's walk in Jesus' light. Oh, you better get right just as fast as you can. Wash your sin in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ is coming and there you have it. Every year about this time, we give you a little bit of an exposure to what we call converted Christmas carols. Popular melodies, as you recognize, Santa Claus is coming to town. We also have I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas, Silver Bells, and other Christmas carols that we all know the melodies of. Someone has written Christ-centered lyrics to those melodies so that if you'd like to use them at your family Christmas get-together, people enjoy them a lot because they know the melodies really well. And it's just great to sing them about Jesus, about the Lord himself. You can find those at thebiblelive.com. We'll try to get those on our website there for you to download if you'd like and use at your Christmas gatherings with full freedom and permission. Well, just before we go to our reading in the book of Matthew, I wanted to mention that that Psalm 142, the prayer when we feel we're cornered by our enemies and only God can keep us safe. It doesn't need to be necessarily enemies like David had. David had actual political enemies. Saul was seeking to destroy him. And this psalm was written when David was hiding from Saul in the caves, the caves at Adullam in 1 Samuel 22 or in Gedi in 1 Samuel 24. These must have seemed like prisons to David at the time because of the confinement and the fear as he ran from this king who was persecuting him. But we have enemies, the world, the flesh, Satan himself, and we can take the words of that psalm and cry out to the Lord for his mercy and for his empowering his deliverance from our enemies as well. Well, let's now turn to the Gospel of Matthew. This converted tax collector is talking about Jesus and his discipling of his men. We seldom focus on this, but it's very important that Jesus was preparing his men to take over when he was delivered to death. We are told also to go into all the world and make disciples just as Jesus did. He set the example for us. On the Bible Life, Matthew 10, 1 through 12, 50. Matthew 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. 
First, Simon, also called Peter. Then Andrew, Peter's brother. James, son of Zebedee. John, James' brother. Philip, Bartholomew. Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus. Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot. Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Jesus sent the twelve disciples out with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money with you. Don't carry a traveler's bag with an extra coat and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve to be fed. Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy man and stay in his home until you leave for the next town. When you are invited into someone's home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take back the blessing. If a village doesn't welcome you or listen to you, shake off the dust of that place from your feet as you leave. I assure you the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off on the judgment day than that place will be. Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. Be as wary as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and beaten in the synagogues. And you must stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. This will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Yes, to witness to the world. When you are arrested, don't worry about what to say in your defense, because you will be given the right words at the right time. For it won't be you doing the talking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death. Fathers will betray their own children. And children will rise against their parents and cause them to be killed. And everyone will hate you because of your allegiance to me. But those who endure to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. I assure you that I, the Son of Man, will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. A student is not greater than the teacher. A servant is not greater than the master. The student shares the teacher's fate. The servant shares the master's fate. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, how much more will it happen to you, the members of the household? But don't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming when everything will be revealed. All that is secret will be made public. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ears, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill you. They can only kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Not even a sparrow worth only half a penny can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to him than a whole flock of sparrows. If anyone acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will openly acknowledge that person before my Father in heaven. But if anyone denies me here on earth, I will deny that person before my Father in heaven. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. No, I came to bring a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give it up for me, you will find it. 
Anyone who welcomes you is welcoming me, and anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. If you welcome a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will receive the same reward a prophet gets. And if you welcome good and godly people because of their godliness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 11. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his twelve disciples, he went off teaching and preaching in towns throughout the country. John the Baptist, who was now in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you really the Messiah we've been waiting for? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, Go back to John and tell him about what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who are not offended by me. When John's disciples had gone, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. Who is this man in the wilderness that you went out to see? Did you find him weak as a reed, moved by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? Those who dress like that live in palaces, not out in the wilderness. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger before you, and he will prepare your way before you. I assure you of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the most insignificant person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching and baptizing until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and violent people attack it. For before John came, all the teachings of the scriptures looked forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one the prophets said would come. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. How shall I describe this generation? These people are like a group of children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends. We played wedding songs and you weren't happy. So we played funeral songs, but you weren't sad. For John the Baptist didn't drink wine, and he often fasted, and you say he's demon-possessed. And I, the Son of Man, feast and drink, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of the worst sort of sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by what results from it. Then Jesus began to denounce the cities where he had done most of his miracles, because they hadn't turned from their sins and turned to God. What horrors await you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have sat in deep repentance long ago, clothed in sackcloth and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. I assure you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on the judgment day than you. And you people of Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will be brought down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in Sodom, it would still be here today. I assure you, Sodom will be better off on the judgment day than you. Then Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding the truth from those who think themselves so wise and clever, and for revealing it to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleases you to do it this way. My Father has given me authority over everything. No one really knows the Son except the Father, and no one really knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. 
Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke fits perfectly, and the burden I give you is light. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 12. At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off heads of wheat and eating the grain. Some Pharisees saw them do it and protested. Your disciples shouldn't be doing that. It's against the law to work by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. But Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the scriptures what King David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, and they ate the special bread reserved for the priests alone. That was breaking the law too. And haven't you ever read in the law of Moses that the priest on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned those who aren't guilty if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to be merciful. I don't want your sacrifices. For I, the Son of Man, am master even of the Sabbath. Then he went over to the synagogue, where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, Is it legal to work by healing on the Sabbath day? They were, of course, hoping he would say yes, so they could bring charges against him. And he answered, If you had one sheep, and it fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you get to work and pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, it is right to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Reach out your hand. The man reached out his hand, and it became normal, just like the other one. Then the Pharisees called a meeting and discussed plans for killing Jesus. But Jesus knew what they were planning. He left that area, and many people followed him. He healed all the sick among them, but he warned them not to say who he was. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved, and I am very pleased with him. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout. He will not raise his voice in public. He will not crush those who are weak or quench the smallest hope until he brings full justice with his final victory, and his name will be the hope of all the world. Then a demon-possessed man who was both blind and unable to talk was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed. Could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? They wondered out loud. But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, Any kingdom at war with itself is doomed. A city or home divided against itself is doomed. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I am empowered by the prince of demons, what about your own followers? They cast out demons too, so they will judge you for what you have said. But if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Let me illustrate this. You can't enter a strong man's house and rob him without first tying him up. Only then can his house be robbed. Anyone who isn't helping me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Every sin or blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which can never be forgiven. Anyone who blasphemes against me, the Son of Man, can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, 
either in this world or in the world to come. A tree is identified by its fruit. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good works from a good heart, and an evil person produces evil words from an evil heart. And I tell you this, that you must give an account on judgment day of every idle word you speak. The words you say now reflect your fate then. Either you will be justified by them or you will be condemned. One day some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove that you are from God. But Jesus replied, Only an evil, faithless generation would ask for a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so I, the Son of Man, will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will rise up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now someone greater than Jonah is here, and you refuse to repent. The Queen of Sheba will also rise up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it, because she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And now someone greater than Solomon is here, and you refuse to listen to him. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, seeking rest but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept and clean. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers were outside wanting to talk with him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside, and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. End of reading, Matthew 10, 1 through 12, 50. Take the world with its glitter, without love, cold and bitter. This is the Bible live. Thou shalt not go away. Mile after mile. This passage we've read tonight, we get a little peek at discipleship. We don't talk about that often. We focus a lot on who he was, his teaching, and his clarification of the moral laws, and so on. But we forget that he's also preparing these 12 men whom he chose. He called them. He challenged them. They weren't forced to do it. He gave them a vision. Uh, he gave them a challenge, and he invited them to follow him. And they committed voluntarily to the discipline of following him and listening to him and obeying him and allowing Jesus to guide them in their spiritual growth and development to teach them how they too could win others. That's the process of discipleship. It's called spiritual multiplication. There are 7 billion people in the world, and the objective is that all 7 billion have the opportunity to hear the message of redemption. But the means by which that is to happen is not addition. It's not that one person goes and tells all 7 billion people. The idea is that each of us can tell one or two or three or four or five or 10 or 15 or 20 in our lifetime, and then they tell 10 or 15 or 20 more, and you grow by multiplication instead of addition. Of course, everyone knows that multiplication is incredibly powerful. 
I give you a job, but I'll pay you $100,000 a month. Or, if you prefer, I'll start paying you a penny on the first day of the month, and I'll double it every day for 31 days. A penny on the first day, two cents on the second day, four cents on the third day, eight cents on the fourth day, 16 cents. You get the idea. We start off with a penny on the very first day of the month, and then you double that every day. Which pay scale would you like to be on? Right up front, $100,000 for the month's work, or would you rather be paid on the scale of one penny doubling every day? That what, eighth or tenth day, you get $10.24. That's great. But do you have any idea how much you receive after 31 days? It's far more than $100,000. <laughs> I think you're in the millions by then. Multiplication is far more dynamic than addition, and that is the approved method of fulfilling the Great Commission, that is, sharing the gospel with all 7 billion people on planet Earth today. There is a place, of course, for proclaiming the gospel message to as many as we can, but discipleship is so vital, and that's what Jesus models for us tonight. And you notice a couple of times Jesus told people, don't tell folks who I am. You saw that in chapter 12. Several times he healed people, and then he told them to be quiet about it. At least in part, this was so as to give him time to do his work of preparing these men that he is discipling. There is a timing to Jesus' ministry. He did not want to provoke an official reaction to his messianic claims too early because he knew ultimately that would result in his arrest and his death. He wants to have that time to work with his disciples. But when the time is right, you will see very clearly that he begins to up the ante. He begins to make it very clear who he is, his messianic claims. I will mention another thing that came out of our reading tonight in chapter 12. Jesus there claims to be the Lord of the Sabbath. They claim to deities. Some people say that, oh, Jesus never claimed to be God. This is what we call one of the indirect claims. Sometimes he directly claims to be the Messiah or to be God. Other times it's an indirect claim because he claims a prerogative or initiative that only God has. Here he claims to be the Lord of the Sabbath, which only God is. You may have wondered as you listened to the passage this evening a couple of references that involve the Holy Spirit. He says that the least person in the kingdom of heaven, in other words, in the church age, the least believer is greater than John the Baptist. How could that possibly be? Well, it's because even the least Christian, the newest Christian believer, is indwelt by the Spirit of God. That is not something that occurred in the lives of those before Messiah. Jesus established a beachhead in the human race for the Holy Spirit to come and now indwell everyone of the followers of Jesus the Messiah. And blaspheming the Holy Spirit is the only sin that cannot be forgiven because the role and the function of the Holy Spirit as the agent of the new birth, He's the one that convicts people of sin and calls them to salvation. If they reject His work and His ministry, they reject salvation. See you next time. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now, don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. 
start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.